Welcome to Beyond Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Petralis, and we are so excited for today's guest. Again, as you guys know, this month is our Women in Sports Month, and this is our third coach coming on here. We have uh, six guests lined up right now, so we're almost halfway through, and uh, just another phenomenal person to have on here. Not only a head coach of one high school sport, but actually a head coach of two high school sports, uh, and that's not easy. I mean, one is one is tough in itself, but to be able to do it in multiple sports and back-to-back seasons uh, is very impressive, so we're excited about today's guest. We had actually her uncle on, uh, Bob Almeida, the head football coach at Stoneham High School, who I think is just one of the best football coaches around, period. You know, takes programs and really builds them back up. Kind of kind of like a coach we have on today. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. But uh, again, the head uh, softball coach at Haverhill High School, the head girls basketball coach at Reading High School, and was a standout athlete uh, at North Andover uh, High School, as well as Merrimack college so uh without further ado ladies and gentlemen cara malillo thank you i appreciate the intro and thank you for having me on um feel honored yeah so we're excited to have you on here we've been doing our homework for a while on you um and and i always love to start any segment off with like street cred any coach that i have on here that was an athlete uh once upon a time or, or played at a very high level we always like to give them a little bit of a shout out here so we dug up some information on you uh and we'll start in high school uh you played you know softball in north Andover for three years that's due to an acl tier your junior year you were cape ian league all-star your sophomore your senior year, if you were healthy you probably would have been your junior year too and you were actually the mvp of the methuen invitation tournament as a freshman so super freshman from jump and then at merrimack just i'll just pull out some facts that we found you recorded 10 multi-hit games uh you batted 311 that year with the 508 slugging percentage ranked second on the team your senior year with six home runs and 29 rbis those six home runs you also had a three home run day against umass lowell which is impressive and your merrimack athletic department dean's list so just wanted to give you some street cred some love there uh of, of you playing sports back in the day and Obviously, it's influenced you to to what you're doing now in life. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, athletics yeah. are certainly a big part of my life, uh, and is why I got into coaching. Yeah, absolutely. So wanted to give you your love, but you know, we're going to start out with, you know, you were an assistant coach for a few years at some of these programs that you're currently at, or I know you're Reading, you were at North Reading before that with hoops, but I'm going to start out with softball um, because I found this pretty impressive. So uh, again, I like to pull out some little things and we talked beforehand and you kind of, you know, gave me some good facts to make sure I could t- throw in there as well. But you took over the softball program um, at the age of 25. Now, previously to that, okay, um, Haverhill was um, – 29 and 67 over their last five years before you had taken over the program. Uh, And they didn't have a winning season since 2008. And their last tournament appearance before that year you took over was 1995. So, I mean, for all intents and purposes, you are talking like a 20 year drought uh, or close to it. So taking over the program since you've made the playoffs 2015, 2016, 2017, 2019, 2021, um, making tournament runs. Uh, you took over a program, like I said, that won 29 games in five years, and you right out the gate won 11 that first year, which qualifies you for a state tournament. So just talk about how you approached it and were able to maybe turn a program around. And that's no knock on the coach in the past, but how you were able to turn a program around that wasn't traditionally doing well over the past five years. Yeah, I think um, I was certainly excited um, when I started coaching in Haverhill. Um, I was really lucky um, and have been over the past eight years. Uh, we've actually had a lot of talent 
Um, I came in my first year um, and we had a star pitcher uh, who was a sophomore at the time, uh, Brianna Mitchinson. Um, she's actually now, she's a star over at Merrimack College um, playing for um, Merrimack and she's doing a really nice job. Um, we also had another player, uh, Michaela Kane, who went on to be a two-sport athlete at St. Ace uh, playing hockey and softball. Um, so I came in uh, with a lot of a lot of talent um, in some key positions and had a lot of other role players. Um, prior to going to Haver High um, to coach, I had coached three years in a, as an assistant over at UMass Lowell under Sean Potter. Um, so I learned a ton um, in my transition from playing into coaching. I learned a ton from from Sean and from his staff, and um, so I brought a lot of that um, into coaching at Haverhill, but. I think the biggest thing taking over any program is just setting expectations for the group. Um, I saw that they were a talented group. So just every day kind of instilling in them that they um, have the talent to, to be successful um, and just keep the excitement in the program, I think is a big thing. Um, I know confidence is huge, uh, especially um, in softball. Um, it's a kind of a slower pace game than basketball. Um, but I think it's really important just to focus on um, the abilities that, the girls did have, um, and just working on really teaching every day. Um, but I was, I was definitely lucky the first year. Uh, there's certainly a lot of talent and when you have a solid pitcher that that goes a long way for sure. So I was going to ask you, and I, from what I've interviewed with softball coaches or coverage that we've done, obviously pitching is King. Um, but you mentioned, uh, when you took over that you had key people returning in key positions, what are some key positions in softball that if you just have someone who's there or consistent at it, it can, it can get you a long way. Yeah, certainly um, having somebody on the mound is, is key. Um, I think it's important uh, to have a catcher who's, even if um, that year we had somebody who wasn't a catcher previously, but she was very athletic, um, our shortstop in center field, um, right down the middle really are some key spots. Um, that's certainly not taking anything from the corners, but um, I think those are kind of the biggest things that I look at as a coach and um, making sure that we're solid in those areas. Yes. I mean, that's athletic range, right? Like shortstop's got to have range. Center fields has to have range. So absolutely. So like you said, it goes right down the middle there of the field, you know, um, because they are for all intents and purposes have more responsibility or probably more area to cover, um, you know, as far as catches goes, shortstops and, and center field. So interested. I, I always like to hear different perspectives of a sport that, you know, I'm not too familiar with as far as strategy goes. And, and with that being said, I mean, obviously a great turnover, What's your coaching style? I mean, are you, do you, are you demanding? Are you tough? Do you balance it? I mean, what is kind of your style as far as taking over program early on? But once your message is there, you've, you obviously can now really step on the gas pedal and, and move that program forward. Yeah, I think um, if you ask me and you ask my players, you might get a different answer. But um, I think my players think I'm really tough. Um, but I think um, I have high expectations for our players. Um, both on and off the field and on and off the court. Um, but also I think relationship building is so important. Um, I think that goes a long way. So I try to um, build a relationship with uh, our players off the court, off the field, even if it's 10 or 15 minutes before or after practice, just getting to know them so that when you set that high expectation and you're demanding on the field or on the court, um, that they're a little bit more receptive to that. Um, so that's kind of my style. Um, but yeah, I know I can be tough at times, uh, but it comes from a good place. So, well, that's it. It's the ultimate balance of love and tough love, right? Because like you said, 
no player is going to want to play for you if you're not trying to even get to know them or invest in them outside the sport. If you're just tough on them from, you know, whistle the beginning of practice to whistle to end the practice and you're not really having a conversation or building a relationship. Yeah, you can't expect that those players or that player in particular is going to really want to, like we said, run through the wall for you or, you know, go above and beyond and do that extra and be a leader. So that's the ultimate, it's the ultimate balance of any coach is love and tough love because, you know, at the end of the day, like, you want to get your message across and everybody has a different way of doing it. But as long as they know that there's that love on the other side, you know, it's just easier to kind of get that consistency. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how involved, I mean, you've been a part of this softball program for a while now, how involved are you with the youth programs? I mean, you've probably now seen kids come up through the youth programs that you might've worked with or knew about when you first started coaching. So talk about that. I always find it great with public school coaches having that feeder system. Yeah, I think, um, working with the youth, I think is one of the biggest parts of being a high school coach. Um, it's something that I really enjoy um, doing. I love working with our youth. Um, just, uh, some of the things like in Haverhill, uh, there's a great feeder system for the Haverhill girls softball program. So I've been lucky that that was kind of already set up. Um, but just being present, going to games, uh, helping out at practices if coaches are open to it. Um, we do like a preseason, uh, clinic every year for all the girls to come to. Um, and then we do one over the summer. Uh, but I think in, in different clinics, like throughout the year in the fall, um, to develop pitchers and catchers. But I think the more just presence um, from the kids from a young age, um, and I've really enjoyed now, um, like our, our senior pitcher, um, I remember when, her, when she was in fifth or sixth grade going to her games, um, and she even talks about that. She's like, oh, my God, you've been with me for so long. So it's nice to really see the kids um, develop, not just on the field or on the court, but um, really as people, too, and then kind of following them throughout when they go on to college and everything like that. So I think Working with the youth, I think, is huge as a coach, but I also think it's huge for um, the high school girls to be involved uh, with the youth. Um, I know as a coach, um, it's one of my favorite things is seeing how our high school kids interact with the younger kids um, because they really do idolize um, the high school players. So I love seeing that connection. So I know at times it can be tough during the season, uh, but we try to do as much as we can um, just so that we're present um, and helping out in whatever way we can. Yeah. Cause it is, it's the ultimate, like it is the ultimate like advertisement for your program. When you and the players are present in the youth league, the parents see that the little girls see that they want to come to your games. I covered a Mefford Somerville baseball game. It was like the first ever Tufts university. They played at Tufts and they have like a making a big game now, but some of them, when I was talking to their coach shut down the youth program for the day, no practices, no games. And they wanted everybody to attend this game at Tufts. So it is really cool to see youth programs get, getting actively involved with the high school program, because that is the future. I mean, that is who you're looking to see come next now with like seventh and eighth graders. I mean, I'm not sure how softball works, but I'm guessing there's probably a team that's that age. Are you working with those coaches at all as far as terminology or style or softball kind of like year to year, depending on what you really have? Yeah. So we, um, a lot of what we do is we work with the coaches. Um, but one of the other things in Haverhill too, um, over the past, I want to say it's six years now, we've had a waiver. So we actually have the eighth graders playing on our freshman nice. team. Um, so we get them involved in the program just a year earlier, which is awesome. Um, and I know we certainly, I, I've met with a lot of the coaches um, in the past, just especially as they get older, um, to tell them kind of what we're doing. Um, we, we certainly always have um, an open door policy. So if coaches want to come 
and see what we're doing at clinics or coming to our practices or games. Um, that's something that I really encourage coaches to do um, because I think the more um, it could just be a smooth transition for kids. Um, it makes it a lot easier when they come to the high school if they already kind of know what's going on at the high school level. So um, those are some things that we've done in the past, um, just keeping it open for the coaches and players um, so that they can kind of see what we're doing. Yeah. And it is nice to also just have visual. I mean, as much as kids are visual learners, I feel like more so than ever with technology, like there's also a visual level of confidence, like having a face to your name and knowing who you are and seeing the girls through the programs. And like you said, having a player who's like, Oh, I remember coming here and being there and being a part of that. You know, that is something that like, I notice, especially like more in, in, in girl high school sports, that there is such an active involvement with like the youth programs. And that's just from the coverage we've done. And, and I know it's across the board of the boys programs as well. But when it comes to the girls programs, it's just something different that the kids are just so excited. They're amped up, like they're focused and being there and, and they see their futures, you know, so I think it's only great things for your program. I was always a Catholic school coach. So we never really have that, you know, once in a while I get a couple eighth graders from like the St. Agnes that would get a waiver, same thing um, that, that would, you know, be nice to get them on early, but we didn't know year to year what we had. So that's, that's, I'm always jealous a little bit for sure. Um, and you, you're a multiple sport coach and we'll jump into basketball in a little bit, but the one interesting thing that I find to me, and maybe this is more just like locally north of Boston area. But for me, I always find the Catholic conference, the Merrimack Valley and the Middlesex league is three most difficult leagues and consistent across the board in sports. And I think obviously the all boy conference, but um, you know, when it comes to the Middlesex and it comes to the Merrimack Valley, it's just, they, they have such youth sports, like their youth sports are so like involved and there's so many different things going on that at the high school, those teams are always really good too. I mean, for you coaching in the Merrimack Valley, you're facing good teams, good programs that have the same feeder systems you do. I mean, talk about playing in such a difficult league and how you've been so consistent with, with your program in, in that league. Yeah, it's definitely, um, it's really like the no days off approach. Uh, yeah. Every team that we play, um, it's a test, uh, whether they're at the top of the league that year or the bottom or anywhere in between. Um, we really do get tested. Um, one of the things that I think is, is good for us, um, both in the MVC and the Middlesex is that because we compete so much during the regular season against our own conference opponents, um, it certainly prepares us for the tournament. Um, so I feel like every year for the tournament, we feel confident just because we've faced a lot of really talented teams. Um, so it makes it fun um, during the regular season because there's you really do have to compete every single day um, and it keeps the kids focused, which is good. Uh, but it also has been really, really important uh, preparing our teams for the postseason. Um, and I know just talking to the other coaches that they feel very similar in that regard, because um, it's good. It can make things challenging, but um, it's a great challenge. And it's something that um, I love coaching in both of the leagues um, because it's so competitive. Um, but it's been it's certainly been fun. Yeah, I mean, winning that league is is a big deal. You know, either one of those leagues is a big deal. Um, and like you said, it probably gets you ready for that next level competition. Or, I mean, you know, you arguably could say uh, these are the best three teams we might see. And they're in our league, you know. So, uh, like you said, it's definitely gets you battle tested and ready for that run. Um Obviously, you're in season right now with softball. Uh, you're doing some great things there. Talk about the squad a little bit, uh, the second half of the season here, what to expect and, and what to look out for for you guys. Yeah, so um, we have right now, we're eight and six. Um, 
we have uh, our makeup of our team is we have three seniors um, and two returning senior seniors. We have one uh, who just played for a senior year. She's doing a tremendous job. Um, but we have a lot of young uh, underclassmen. We have no juniors, so uh, we're all freshmen, sophomores, and three seniors. So um, it's been a nice balance. Um, we're led by our senior captains. Um, uh, one of our seniors has pitched a majority of our innings. Um, and then, um, so we've had a nice balance of kids, of kids with experience, kids that are coming in. Um, so I think early on, we've had some ups and downs, uh, a lot of learning um, in the first half of the season. Uh, which is good. Um, but we've had some big wins too, um, which I think has been good for our group. Uh, we had a big win over Lowell four to nothing uh, earlier in the year. So it certainly shows our kids that um, we can be confident in what we do, but uh, we certainly still have to keep uh, learning and growing this season. So we're excited for the second half of the season, um, hopefully uh, earning a postseason bid and then just getting ready, ready for that. So uh, but we have a nice group of kids, um, but we're looking forward to the second half. Yeah. You know, and, and you're two away from what tends to tends to clinch a playoff spot itself. So, and you got a young team that's playing well later in the season, which is always a scary team to draw, especially when they might be playing at their best, you know, your young players, maybe just the game's slowing down for them a little bit. They're starting to understand things. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, it's tough for the season with the growing pains, I'm sure, but it's also nice to look down the road the next couple of years to say that you are going to have a lot of experience and, and, and varsity time. So that's mm -hmm. you guys, the futures is bright for sure. Um, so we'll, we'll jump into, you know, I, I, we could talk, I bet you we could talk for like two hours, but when we jump into, to soft, uh, to basketball a little bit, uh, and basketball is the season that comes before softball. So you're actually in basketball mode before you're even in softball mode, at least for the last few years. Um, as we said earlier, you're the head basketball coach, the head girls basketball coach um, at Reading High School. And before that, you coached a couple different spots, like you mentioned, um, both you know high school and collegiately, which is um, obviously great experience. You've seen the game at a fast pace and understand what it, it takes to play at that next level for the girls in your program. How similar of a coach are you in softball versus now basketball, or are you very similar expectation wise, uh, how you run your programs or do you have to morph a little differently because it's two different sports? Yeah, I think, um, overall as a coach, um, I have similar coach coaching styles. Um, I'm still tough and want to build relationships with our players. Uh, certainly the two sports are different in terms of just the pace of the game. Uh, but I think my approach has always been, um, just to be organized, to get our team ready, uh, focus on fundamentals um, and those things um, to get us prepared. But overall, as a person, as a coach, I feel like it's pretty similar, uh, my style from sport to sport. Um, but certainly the game itself is very different. So um, I have a little uh, different styles in terms of how I manage games and different things like that. Yeah. Now taking a look at that and talking about your coaching style here a little bit, I mean, for you, just to kind of give the audience a little perspective here, you got the job and correct me if I'm wrong at any point here, you got the head coaching job here at Reading High School in November of 2019, right? So yep. that's like, I mean, that's like weeks or a month before the season actually begins, right? I mean, that's like close to it because yeah, you guys start in it, December. Yeah. I think it might've been before, I think it was, like earlier in the fall when I got it, but okay, okay. it certainly was um, kind of like crunch time. So getting to know the players, the captains, the returners. 
um, and then just getting right into the season. Um, but yeah, it wasn't like a ton of lead time beforehand. Yeah. So, so obviously you're jumping into that and then season ends and really COVID all of a sudden strikes the world. And then the following season, it was probably cancellation after every hour things were changing to you haven't practiced. Now you're not, you have a game. Nope. The other team has COVID or up oh, five kids tested positive. We're shutting it down. I'm sure it was just nonstop and you do it back to back sports. So you were dealing with that in the winter and then dealing with that with the spring. So I'm just really like want to deep dive your mind here. I mean, how did you, you go from sport to sport dealing with COVID maybe what did you learn from basketball that you then brought over the softball as far as maybe really just rolling with the punches as far as everything went yeah I think um certainly 2020 the spring uh that was really tough um because our spring season was totally canceled that was probably uh one of our best or groups that we had in terms of talent um and just the depth that we had in that program so that was really difficult uh, we had 12 seniors that year, so they missed their whole senior season. Um, so that was really difficult to deal with just in terms of working with the kids and working through that. And then going into basketball, um, I was definitely grateful to have a season because we weren't sure what it was going to look like. Right. Uh, but we had multiple shutdowns, maybe two or three. Um, and then we had a couple of players that were out for over a month. Um, so that was difficult. Uh, we had... Uh, a ton of zoom workouts and we had individual shooting outside cause it was a mild winter. Um, so that, that was, that was really tough. Um, and then going into the spring was, was a lot easier. Um, just cause the weather, just being outside, uh, there was a little bit more, uh, freedom for us to, to kind of manage, but I think it was really difficult as a coach, um, just to manage my own frustrations, but also like to take the perspective of what these kids are going through, um, as adolescents, um, just having to be inside, um, remote learning. Um, and so I think that was a huge piece for me is just to really concentrate on how, how the kids were feeling and how we could get them through that while staying focused on what we needed to do, um, on the court or on the field. Um, but that was definitely, um, incredibly challenging. Yeah. Um, I can't even put into words. I'd never want to go back to that. Um, and I really just felt for our, our, our players, um, they all dealt with it really well, but um, it was certainly a challenge um, for both myself, but really the players. Yeah. And I can't even imagine because you're going through it back to back seasons. Obviously there's a lot that's, I mean, even in the world, like even guidance wise, like it changed all the time. And obviously the MIAA to down to high schools, to cities and towns all had to make their decisions. And some teams in your league might be handling it as a city or a town differently than your city and town handling it. So it just, it made for mass confusion. Was there anything that you took out of it that you now maybe implement into practice? practice or an approach that you maybe didn't do before that worked and you now kind of carry it over to, to what your routine is during a season or off season. Yeah. I think the biggest thing for basketball at least is because we did so many um, individual workouts. Um, we have a ton of like um, either workouts or shooting workouts that we had the kids do. So uh, we have like a whole library and a whole online library of different things. And that was throughout the season. Cause I want to say that it was probably three or four weeks that we had of, of time off. So um, that was huge. And then just helping to um, for the players just to have an idea of what they could be doing in the off season. So that, that was certainly helpful. Um, and I think the other thing is just uh, really just appreciating every day. So I think one of the things that I took as a coach and I think a lot of the players did 
is we really just appreciate getting to be in practice every day, um, spending time together. Cause I know a big piece of what we do is forming relationships. And during COVID it was, you came to practice and you had to be right out of the gym as soon as practice ended. So there was no time to interact. So like when we were talking earlier about, uh, being tough and demanding on the kids for kids that I didn't really have a relationship with before, um, that made it even more difficult because they're like, uh, we didn't know each other as well. So right. it's hard to be as demanding as you can be um, if, if you don't have that relationship off the court. Um, so that's something that I think moving forward, I know we appreciated every day we got to be in the gym and practice together. Um, and same thing with softball. It's just appreciating the little things where a lot of times we may have taken it for granted um, in years past. So that's been a huge thing. Yeah. And obviously like mental health with all of that too, you know, we covered a game yesterday, uh, Medford high school girls lacrosse team and they played Malden and it was for mental health awareness. And, um, you know, just talking to the girls and the team and talking to the coaches and everybody involved, it's something I would say, you know, COVID and on has been become a world agenda, you know, that people were locked up in their home, depressed, everything else. Kids are missing out on opportunities like seniors. We said that they didn't even get their seasons in certain sports and or they got completely mixed around or didn't play many games. So obviously there's a lot of mental health. And the other aspect of it, like you mentioned, is you might have a bunch of freshmen who now all of a sudden are sophomores in your program the next year who you never got to see, never assess their talent. You don't know what you really have. And especially for someone like you right now, who is very dependent on sophomores and freshmen, or that's like a heavy basis of your team, not having that year the before you wouldn't have known like kind of who you have or what you have either. So it's probably stressful from that end too, to really know your program after 2019, you know, in, in some sense. Yeah, no, it definitely was wild. Um, and it still is. Um, it's certainly gotten a lot better, but we still have had some, some things come up, but, um, it's certainly nice to be back in the routine of things. Um, and certainly for the kids, mental health, um, and the coaches, um, I work as a counselor, uh, full-time. So I know how important the mental health piece is, uh, getting the kids outside, getting them involved with the team. And, and so that's been a, a real positive getting back out. Yeah. And, and I, and that's great. Obviously you're involved in the school system in, in Haverhill. So you, you understand that and understand that there, there has been such a spike in mental health and, you know, knowing maybe to bring that to your programs and understand that there are a lot of things going outside of sport that we sometimes are unaware of because we're busy in our own lives too. We've got a lot of things going on to balance ourselves or dealing with it ourselves too. You know, we're trying to balance everything and our lives have completely changed too. So uh, totally get it and, and commend you for it because it must not have been easy easy. And I, when I first started this podcast, it was September, 2020. So it was like interesting talking to every coach about what they were doing. You know, when we had football coaches on, there was no fall season that year. It was really interesting to see how they were going about, you know, evaluating their program or keeping the kids together because they did end up playing in like March, April, that, that following year. So um, yeah, it's always interesting to hear how people handle it. Um, and this could be a mixed basketball and softball question, or maybe it's the same for both, but, uh, in the game of basketball, obviously you look at the Celtics today and you look at golden state warriors and the way that this game is starting to turn into a three point, you know, shooting contest. Are you more of an offensive minded coach or would you say you're more of a defensive minded coach when it comes to what you want your identity to be? Yeah, I think, um, I think I'm definitely more defensive minded. Um, I think I, I coached with my dad for uh, 12 years before I took over in Reading, and uh, 
he was all about defense. So uh, we, we spent a lot of time on defense. Uh, this past year, we just put in a new offense. Um, so it kind of shifted where I, I was predominantly all about defense. This year it was a little bit more split um, just because I was so excited about the new offense that we were putting in place. Um, but I think I've definitely shifted a little bit. Uh, but I think defense is something that I've always looked at in terms of a high school season uh, that you can really get individuals and a team to improve on uh, in such a short amount of time. Uh, whereas offense, uh, we do still fundamentals and different things like that. But I think certainly um, in the off season is where you see a lot of the growth for individual players. Um, but I think definitely defense, um, but that's definitely shifted a little bit uh, this past year uh, where we were really excited about the new offense that we were put in place. Do you find like, do you find that kids are so prone to want to like shoot the ball a lot and be high offense that it is a little tougher sometimes to sell the more defensive side of the ball? Yeah, I think um, especially initially uh, when I started at Reading, um, we made just a couple sw uh, switches defensively for some of the kids. And it was like, they had a really tough time, but I just explaining why we do um, certain things, I think is so important because uh, if you want the buy-in from the players, if they know why you're doing it, um, that's what we try to explain every day, every drill that we do that they understand why. Um, and the kids really bought into it. We actually had um, our leading scorer who just graduated Jackie Malley, um, when I came in, she was a sophomore and, uh, she was definitely very talented offensively. Um, but defense, uh, I told her that you got to play great defense if you're going to play for us. Um, and she really bought into it and she became one of our best defensive players too. Um, so that's something that if you can win over, um, the starters, I think it goes a long way, but I think for the girls, they bought in, uh, pretty early on. And I think it was just because we explained why we, why we look at this and why this is our philosophy. And they really took to it. Um, and it's been really fun uh, with that group. Are you man? Are you zone? You kind of mix it up. We're, yeah, something? we're man. Um, and we mix up a couple different things, but um, just teaching different fundamentals. Um, and the kids really got into it. So um, it's something that we really uh, stress a lot. Um, and, and we really talk about how our defense can turn into offense, transition offense for us. So um, that's something that the kids, as soon as you say that, listen, if you play great defense, if you play defense this way, it's going to turn into more points down the other end. Right. That's when the light goes off and they're like, all right, all right, I got it. So, yeah, I mean, there's yeah. something to be said about it. I mean, I've said this on a podcast once before, I think early on when I started this, but like the head basketball coach, the Miami heat, Eric Spolster. I mean, there was times that like he was going to college football practice, particularly the university of Oregon to understand like spacing and spread concepts and how to get the ball down the court quickly. And, you know, I don't know how much of that translated over, maybe not a lot, but there is the understanding of quick transitioning or making a steal or making a stop and getting the ball up court and scoring very quickly. I mean, you see it in a lot of sports, maybe except like baseball, right, where it slows down. But, you know, a lot of sports, it's definitely like a pace, quick transition, quick off of defense. So absolutely. I totally agree with you there. Um, as far as that goes, do you work on taking like charges and blocks and everything? I mean, how does that work at the high school level? I'm always curious of how coaches work with that. Um, I got to tell you, I, I don't do a great job of that. Um, I think um, I know certainly a lot of coaches in our league do, um, and they do a tremendous job of it with, with their groups. Um, I've always been a little hesitant with the whole injury prevention stuff. Wow. Uh, we've been plagued with some bad luck and, 
And so uh, we've stayed away from some of that stuff, but it's something that I've thought about uh, putting more time and emphasis into, especially watching the NBA, uh, the postseason. That's like half the game, I feel like, is taking charges or reviews on whether it's a, a blocking foul or a charge. So yeah. um, I certainly know that I feel like even in the last five years or so, that's really like transformed into a major part of the game. Yeah. Um, so we don't right now, uh, but it's certainly something that I've thought about um, practicing. But again, I'm kind of hesitant with everything yeah. with uh, concussions and whatnot. So, and it um, makes sense. Like, obviously, honestly, like there's, I mean, there's coaches I've had on here from the football world that don't even tackle a practice anymore because yeah. their numbers are low or injury prevention, everything's wrapped up or helmets and shoulders only. And then the first time they hit or make contact is really game day. So um, no, absolutely. And I'm sure there's a lot of other coaches that do the same exact thing. I think you have to look at it from all different perspectives. And that's why I like asking that question. Cause I never really get the same answer it's always something completely different so um totally yeah, under, yeah. it's hard too because like this year we were talking about it and I was kind of the same way we would go through walkthroughs on how to take a charge and and showing the kids but it's hard if they can't practice it in the moment it's hard for them then to implement it in the game um but it's definitely something I've thought about <laughs> Yeah, it's it's uh yeah, like you said, it's definitely changing in the game of basketball. It's how you slow teams down from maybe driving a little bit, you know. Um, so you you kind of alluded to last last season a little bit, and you know the reason I'm talking about this is you know obviously I want to talk about the squad that you have coming back, but you know last year you were led by a thousand point scorer, which you you mentioned earlier, and you had an impressive uh, you know you ran into an undefeated Wachusa team, um you know you had an impressive sixteen and six season, so it just seems like wherever you go there's something about the culture you build and the program that you build that there's immediate, you know, there's an immediate impact or an immediate shift. Um, you guys, I saw Wachusett play. I actually was covering Burlington boys basketball and they played it. Um, oh, um, I forget. I'm trying to think. I can't remember, but they were the game before them where they played. And I was extremely impressed. I think they played like central Springfield central or something like that. And it was a back and forth game. They ended up losing, but it was a very, very good basketball game. Um, so talk about your squad a little bit of, of what you have coming back next year um, and what we should be looking forward to uh, in the season. Yeah, I think uh, certainly, like you said, um, we graduated three seniors and obviously Jackie Malley is over a thousand point scorer was a huge uh, part of our team's uh, success this year. Uh, but we have a great core group um, coming back, a nice balanced group, uh, which I'm excited about. I think with our new offensive system that we put in place. And um, I think we have a lot of talent coming back, a lot of uh, younger players um, who I think can fill some big roles next year. So I think early on, it might be just finding our identity and having other kids step up. But I think, It'll be uh, a lot more balanced next year scoring um, than it was this year. So um, I'm excited to see what our group's going to do. I think uh, the sky's the limit. I think, I think they're going to be excited. I'm, I'm excited to watch them play um, this summer and see how they do in their summer league. Um, but I, I'm excited. I think it's definitely going to be more balanced um, and just seeing who will kind of fill those big roles for us. Yeah, it's nice. And and for you, just as always a high expectation, you know, whether that's on yourself or you, you, you instill that in your program. Uh, I think it's great. I think it's great that you're every, no matter what sport it is, you're very competitive year to year um, in, in doing that. Um, talk a little bit about 
like coaching, you know, advice that you would have for young coaches out there? Obviously, you got your first start as a head coach at the age of 25. That's pretty young. Um, and that's a lot of responsibility to take on. And then obviously, in the past few years, taking on a second head coaching job, you've worked your way there. You were an assistant coach. You learned the sport. You learned from others. Talk about your advice to young coaches that are looking to maybe jump into any sport um, and, and really start to learn to maybe take over their program at some point uh, in time. Yeah, I think um, the biggest thing is just be yourself. Um, I feel like I'm myself um, every day. And and I think that's a big thing is I'm not trying to be somebody I'm not. Um, I think the biggest thing, especially now, um, is setting clear expectation for players, uh, both on the field, on the court, and off. Uh, because I found in the past uh, when there are different things that come up, it's just because uh, maybe we didn't discuss it beforehand. So I think certainly setting clear expectations and high expectations for players um, so that they understand the commitment level is huge um, and boundaries. I think a huge piece of kind of what everybody's dealing with, with all social media is just making sure that you have um, boundaries and um, yeah, but I think the biggest thing is just being yourself uh, and finding your style, like what works for you um, I think goes a long way. Cause I think the kids know, um, if you're trying to be somebody else and right. you're not genuine, then they kind of read right through that. So um, I try to just be um, myself and be passionate about what you do. Um, and I think that's kind of the most important thing. Yeah. I mean, you got enough to worry about and running a program and everything that comes with it, then trying to be something else or, or to be a, like an imposter of who you are in a sense can, it's like another job. It's like, why do it? Just be yourself, be who you are, absorb, be a sponge, learn all that. Um, you coach back-to-back seasons and obviously you coach sports like basketball and softball that are pretty much year round sports. I mean, softball, obviously you're working more in the cages and the colder in the winter and stuff like that. But for you as a coach, like how much time do you kind of take off? Like, all right, softball ends. How much time are you taking off just to kind of live life, enjoy a little bit before your mind's there? Or are you like, already kind of there like <laughs> you already back uh, at it yeah like <laughs> I try to mentally uh take breaks um and go away I like to travel a lot so that's part of it but I don't think I'm ever totally out of it um like just with everything um I like to learn I think that's the biggest thing in the offseason I love learning about the game and about how I can be better um because I know I have a lot to learn um and I can grow a lot as a coach too so that's one of my favorite things is just learning from other people, picking up new things, even if it's a small thing. But I, I think it is important to take uh, a break, um, even if it's a physical break and going away. Um, I spend a lot of time at the beach and everything over the summer, but I'll still be writing up practice plans yeah, or trying yeah. plays and whatnot. But um, I do try to take uh, some time away. Now, educating yourself, you mentioned it, uh, different things that you do. I know in the world of football, we go to a lot of clinics or travel to a lot of college spring practices, just to pay, sometimes just picking up a few different things about how you run practice or the way you do drills or to look at like a front differently for basketball and softball is a lot of that education available. What do you kind of do in the off season to maybe look at your program and, and get it better? Yeah. Um, I've attended like different, uh, college practices, I think is, that's been really fun. Um, just seeing what different programs oh, are doing. Yeah. And, um, I think going to different coaches clinics has been helpful. Um, even if it's something that I don't take everything from, there's always something, um, that you take from, um, I just joined over the pandemic, the fireside chats, 
Yes. Uh, hearing from um, different coaches has been really cool um, just to see what they're doing with their programs. Um, I love seeing that stuff and seeing how people do different things um, yeah. and what I can kind of incorporate into our program. So that's been huge. Um, and then just networking with other coaches to find out like um, coaches in our league or just different coaches that I know um, picking their brains about the different sports and about what they're doing, what's worked for them, what hasn't. Um, so that's been really helpful, but I think certainly the network of coaches has been um, great just to learn from. I think that's one of the other positives from the pandemic is there's all these different things out there online now um, because we had so much time um, inside. So I think that's a big thing is just going to clinics and going to practices has been huge. Yeah. And I feel like covering basketball is there's just such a, like, you have one coach on here and then there was like, like I had one coach on here and then it turned into like six or seven other coaches and they all coached together and they were assistants or they want to staff together. And now they're all head coaches. You know, I'm like, and I've, and any other sport, I mean, I'm sure it's like that, but basketball is just different from my experience of how many coaches in the fireside chats. We had Rick Gorman on here um, and he's great. I, I love him. I mean, uh, his Twitter's great. He's always active. And, yeah. um, but there are some guests we've had on Dennis Ingram of Wilmington, Chris McDonald of Norwood, uh, Chris Harvey, all the of Salem state, they've, all are on that fireside chat they've all brought it up on the show so it's funny to hear another guest that's that's their education mm -hmm. that's a professional development of going to that and learning from other coaches so you know shout out to rick he's a great guy and he's accomplished yeah. a lot in his life and uh you know he's he's great so that's cool that you're a part of that it's, i think that that's smart smart group to be a part of um all right so we're going to jump into our last segment here it's our Cheney's two-minute drill uh Cheney's is probably popping it's right outside the boston garden you know celtics just won game seven but it's on uh french street 252 french street it's the best arancini pizza spot calzone spot around so um i'm going to fire some rapid fire questions at you here again one or two word answers nothing crazy um but again if if you answer and i want you to elaborate a little bit more i might throw the flag and, and do a little booth review you here and vice versa if you want to explain something go for it we're pretty lenient um so let me get the timer set and here we go song that still gets you a little bit juiced up that you might listen to before a big game or in the car driving to a game or anything like that oh uh, um maybe eminem lose yourself yeah, I, I, I've asked this question and I've never gotten the same answer. No coach is throwing <laughs> out the same song. So this is great. It will continue to the streak is busted. Um, most important position in your offense and basketball? Uh, point guard. It's like our quarterback. What would you say in softball? Pitcher. Okay. Okay. Um, have you ever been teed up in basketball before? Ooh, No. Okay. That's great. I've had a few coaches that are like, Oh yeah, I have a few times, you know, <laughs> um, coach that maybe you look up to the most or someone's just had like a big impact on you. I'm sure there's a lot of them and you can feel free to mention more than one, but, uh, go for it. All right. Um, personally, my dad, we coached together for 12 years, but, um, as a figure, uh, Pat summit. Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. Right. I mean, I remember as a kid, I feel like, I mean, they were it for the Mecca of college basketball for such a long time, you know, before really the UConn run started coming in. Yeah. Um, biggest win you've ever had as a coach. And I'll ask you for each sport, softball and for basketball. Oh, biggest win. I think for softball was our first uh, tournament win against Lynn Classical. So that was the first one in 23 years. 
for basketball, um, I think maybe either the Arlington win or the North Reading win two years ago, uh, we were out uh, our point guard and then we qualified for the tournament when we beat North Reading. That's great. That's great. Um, you must have so many big wins. It must be hard to kind of like really figure out which ones I've heard coaches say just their first one, first one they ever had, you know, it's like getting it out of the way. Um, most rocking gymnasium, a way gymnasium that you go to in basketball that you kind of like, don't like playing in. Um, I would say this past year going to need them, uh, and that's tournament was, was wild. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, softball, biggest rival in the league. Who's Haverhill's biggest rival? Mm, I think probably Andover, just because we've had a lot of close games over the years. Okay. Um, and then I'll, I'll ask you this and we'll, we'll keep it in softball because you've coached there longer. Toughest non-league opponent that you've had on your schedule or might have on your schedule currently that, you know, is just a good test year after year. Uh, we had, they're not on our schedule this year, but Arlington, years ago it was a really tough non-league game for us yeah so our my former offensive line coach matt o'laughlin is the is the head softball coach over in Arlington high school oh he's a great yeah. guy super guy yeah he, he, he was on here yeah he, he does he's uh, i mean when i when i got the head coaching job at ac and he was on the previous staff and i talked to him for like two minutes and i was like i have like another head coach on staff this is great you know like, it was yeah, like no. yes right away um, all right. Well, listen, you survived the Cheney's two minute drill. And I want to thank you for coming on here today. Obviously, this month is a very special month for us. We've been very active on Instagram and Twitter with it. Um, but obviously, you as a guest, uh, you know, the coach one high school sport to be a head coach is, is difficult in itself doing that for multiple sports, back-to-back seasons. And that's not just the in-game and the practices. That's running a program, dealing with parents, dealing with boosters, understanding the bigger picture of your program, and really doing that. I mean, I know you do it in the off-season, but mathematically, from the Monday after Thanksgiving, you're really going until June, you know? And so that's a long period of time that you are dedicating to, you know, running a program, you know, consistently that has many different levels. So I, you know, I really respect that about you. And I was glad that we were able to get you on here. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. So from beyond podcast, I'm your host, Anthony Petrellis till next time.